አድማጮቻችን በዚህ በፋርካስት በሚባለው ፕሮግራም አብራችሁን ስለቀረባችሁና አመሰግናለን ጥያቄና መሳቅራቢያችን ዳንኤል ቤንከርድና አሌክስ ሃምብርግ ይባላሉ። Well for those of you listening at home that uh, was Ted Tewahade uh, delivering our normal introduction that either Daniel or myself gives uh, but that was in his native language of Amharic right Ted That's correct that's the main language spoken in Ethiopia And so could you translate that into English The summation is welcome to the Farcast Far program and I introduced Alex and Daniel to the program and my name is Ted Tewahade Well, there we go. We've kind of reversed roles a little yeah, bit there, I like Daniel. It. But Welcome, thank, Ted. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Ted. That was quite the introduction. Uh, something unique we haven't really had on happen on this podcast well, before. Thank so you thank for you. having me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, so Ted, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, is the Title IX coordinator at Shadron State College. Ted, tell us a little bit about your job as as the Title IX coordinator. My job essentially is responsible for ensuring Shadron State complies with Title IX and responds and investigates discrimination complaints um and that's in a nutshell that's my job Ted what type of training do you provide current students we separate training um we always meet with first year students uh, by that i mean freshmen as part of the freshman orientation we kind of tell them what the expectations are expected of them from Shadow State College how to behave what policy we follow 3020 it kind of go through that and explain what 3020 is and what the process of the title 9 um investigation is who are the mandatory reporters and confidential people are so that's what we usually start out with and we follow and meet with every uh athletic team uh clubs senate and cab new faculty and then we also do an online uh Title IX training as well for all our students and employees. So a very important job, and Ted certainly does a great job and and helps CSC along with that. But but he's also involved uh, in in the campus community. He's the sponsor for the International Club. Uh, he he mentioned just a little bit ago that he grew up in e- Ethiopia. Uh, but talk a little bit about the International Club and and how does CSC support international students? Something you're kind of familiar with. As the um, co-sponsor of the International Club. Um, I get the pleasure of meeting with and working with a lot of students. We're about 34 countries, I think. 34 students. I'm not sure exactly the exact count of countries we have right now, but uh, we meet every week right now because we're getting ready for our annual international food tasting party. And for those of you who don't know what that is, is our students will cook dish from their own countries. We work with our dining services, try to get as as authentic as possible and cook up and invite a lot of people. We usually serve about 200 students uh, and community members and uh, we have to cut cut down the dishes to about 14 to 15 uh so that it's easier to cook with. Otherwise, we usually have to cut down about five or six out of the list provided. What are some of the memorable meals that you've been served at that event? Last year we had um uh a Brazilian dish and it was fantastic Ariel cooked it in the, and it's interesting with a lot of our international students a lot of the male students will do the cooking so it's it's kind of role reversed a little bit especially our south american students the male will like male and uh, students from uh, last year we also had a student who brought his parents to cook from india that was amazing so they they cooked some traditional indian food and uh, it's always a sell out hmm, neat 
So how many people end up at that uh, event? 200 to 240, uh, about 100, half and half, 120 students, 120 uh, committee members. And then usually we have a fashion show, traditional music. We collaborate with our job corps, Pioneer Job Corps, and they bring in a lot of, um, majority of their students currently are from Asia. uh, So they do a lot of Thai dances and so forth. So it's kind of... It's pretty neat. We get to learn a lot from them as well. And this year, we're looking forward to inviting our uh, um, WNCC international students. Very nice. Yep. Yeah. So, Ted, you're an alum of Shadron State College, but you took uh, ended up a little bit of a longer route than most students take to get here. Uh, can you tell us a little bit of that story? The Tawahada family has been part of Shadron State College for since 1988. And I've had six uncles, I, I went through the list the other day, six uncles, two brothers, four cousins, three nephews, um, and family friends as well that came here. The first person to come here was my uncle Naaman, and uh, I actually went back and read the story that was covered by Con Marshall from 1988, and uh, he, he, the article was uh, Ethiopian Brothers Attending Shadow State College. And the first person that came was Naaman. And uh, in fact, when he came to Shadow State College, it wasn't by design. Uh, he met, he was in Oklahoma at the time, and he had a Shadow State alum that was a dean at, at, uh, in Oklahoma. And um, his daughter was enrolled, the dean's daughter was enrolled in Shadow State College, was going to. So she was on her way here, and Naaman hit, just rode along with her, and his... Uh, he was going to visit Chattern and then go on to Rapid City to fly to California for school and work and so forth. But the dean had contacted somebody here at Chattern, and when he got here, they met him and offered him a scholarship and uh, had a campus job. So he came here and never left. So <laughs> that's kind of how our family started at Chattern State College. That's wild. Just yeah. one small thing. Yeah. like Some yeah. gesture like that made, what, 15 people come to school? Exactly. <laughs> so in fact, it was interesting. After uh, the first three or four came with back in Ethiopia, my family, is, you go to America, you go to Chattern State College, it wasn't even accepted. You go anywhere else. My younger brother had a scholarship to a pretty prestigious school in England. And, uh, automatically was saying, nope, you're going to go to Shadow State College. <laughs> so we beat an Ivy League out. That's what I always <laughs> yeah. say. And so then um, but some people who, who might know you but may not know everything about you mm-hmm. might be interested to learn that, that you went to high school in Shadow too. Actually, I did, yeah. I left Ethiopia when I was in junior, junior, no, end of my sophomore year, and went to Pennsylvania for a year. And then my brother was attending high sc- uh, college here. So my senior year, I did come to Shadron High and um, was really blown how nice people were. Just very approachable, just genuine. And then um, attended Shadron State College from Shadron High School. You were expected to show, go to Shadron State and came here. Did my undergraduate in legal studies and um, did an internship in the summer at a law firm. Did not like it. Came back and got my master MBA, and um, then went back to the work workforce for a little bit, and then uh, met my wife while I was going when I was going to school here. I actually had a a dance at the karaoke slash dance at the ballroom, so Shadow's been good to me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
So what you mentioned, uh, you majored in legal studies, and then you came back and got your MBA. Mm-hmm. What did you do after you graduated? I graduated and got a, a job in finance in Denver, Colorado. We moved to Denver and did finance and worked. They stayed about three years. And uh, both my wife and I started careers and realized that this is not what we wanted to do. Uh, numbers wasn't our thing. So we decided to sell everything we had. And then we traveled somewhere to Uganda and Kenya and Ethiopia and worked a little bit with Habitat, building homes. And when we run out of money, we kind of give us time actually to ponder what we want to do with the rest of our lives. And we both wanted to be in uh, service, working with people. So I knew I wanted to teach and be work with, with, edu- with students in schools. And she knew she wanted to finish her master's in counseling. So came back again to Shadron. One more, once again, and got my teaching endorsement, and she finished her master's, and then taught a year in Oryx, which is 30 minutes from here. That was my first teaching job, and then we moved to southern Colorado, and uh, where we started a family. So, Ted, um, you mentioned a little bit about your work history between uh, college graduation and ending up here at CSC. Uh, any more you can tell us about that? Uh, yeah, um, in southern Colorado, that's where we pretty much started our careers in education. And then I was teaching business and technology and then moved more to the technology side of things. And uh, and then when our girls were getting a little bit bigger, we decided. Um, we actually used to vacation in Shadow State Park. So every time we'd come down every summer, we'd say, you know, we should move back here because it's so much quieter. You get to spend time with your kids and, and so forth. So... We made we made the jump and just came back here and uh, it's been we've been here seven years now going on eight and it's been the greatest move we've done. Um, kids are flourishing here. When I came back, I started my Shadow State career working in IT, and then through that, I also was working with Title Nine, helping out with that, and then eventually, um, Title Nine job came up and I applied for it, and uh, it's been three years now, and it's been a quite the learning curve, but it's been an amazing journey. Great. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, kind of taking that jump. Uh, you've done that in your life a couple times, uh, moving to southern Colorado mm-hmm. and then uh, selling everything and, and traveling overseas with your wife. Um, but clearly the, the first one, or maybe not the first one, but one of those jumps in your life was living in Ethiopia and then moving to the United States. Um, talk a little bit about some of the differences. Well, that, that's, that's that's actually was helped by the situation that was going on in Ethiopia at the time. This was 1990, 1991 in Ethiopia. Times were uh, pretty rough as far as the two. There was a new government trying to come in, and it wasn't a peaceful takeover. It was a hostile takeover, and there was war going on. So if you are a teenager, a male Anywhere between a ninth grader to a senior or a college student, there's a good chance you might end up going to the military, and that's not voluntarily. You might just, if you looked old enough to go to the military, you might just go to the military. I had an opportunity came up where my dad's former college uh, friends were living in Pennsylvania, and uh, they put my dad in contact with a school that I could attend. So they offered me an entrance. And I was able to go there. So that's kind of made the jump. But it kind of knew once you jump, make that big flight here, you're pretty much on your own. So a 16-year-old, barely just almost turned 17, you are on your own. So, 
I don't think I would have done very well. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's quite a jump. Well, that's one of those things. Once you once you're in the situation, you kind of yeah. There's no plan B. Right. You, you have to keep going B, forward. You just got to keep going forward. Yes. Sure. Uh, Ted, tell us a little bit about uh, you know before all that, growing up. What's what's childhood like uh, in Ethiopia compared to what what you've ex- seen with like your daughters here? That's a great question. Um, looking back as an adult now, looking back at my childhood, it was it was great. It was fantastic because I think you stay a child longer than you do here. Uh, obviously, you you know you have your friends and growing up together. Everybody's about the same socioeconomic. So whether you're poor or rich, nobody knows any different. So um, we played soccer all the time, and everybody played soccer. So yeah. it was more of the communal upbringing than individual. Uh, I had an opportunity to go back to Ethiopia a year ago now. Um, as an adult looking at it, it seems to me in here in the U.S., it feels like everyone is racing or competing, and if you stop, uh, you're not moving up. So that's that's. And then when I looked at Ethiopia, they actually stop and enjoy life. Uh, when they actually said hello, how are you? They actually mean how are you. They expect a response, not you're just nodding. So that's one of the the few things. Of time, it feels like twelve hour day there, feels like twenty four. Here, a 12-hour day feels like five. That's the main difference. People, I think, stop and enjoy life a little bit there. Hmm. I, do you have any ideas on, on why that is? I don't know. I really don't know. I try, to get a, I try to get a response and try to ask questions. Of course, they didn't understand why I was asking because it's a norm there. And here we race, 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 race. Yeah. Everything has got to be done. And um, we have a lot of great inventions to save time, but it feels like we have shorter time. Yeah, I, I think you're certainly right with that. It always yeah. seems like you're in such a hurried pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's kind of nice to just sit around and yeah. hang out and ask people how they really are doing and have a conversation. Yeah, even even like you know your question as far as comparing my kids to my upbringing, looking at a fifth grade kid there, they are actually just fifth grade kid. Looking at my daughter who's in fifth grade, it seems to me that we're preparing her for six, seven, eight right now. Right. Everything she's learning is so that she can compete later on. So I think that's the main difference is we're preparing them, kind of a little more pressuring them to start, same as my uh, ninth grade daughter. She's already preparing for college versus an Ethiopian kid is learning about ninth grade. Mm-hmm. So that's the diff- the main difference as, as far as upbringing. Hmm. Uh, you're also uh, a volunteer firefighter, first responder in Shadron. How long have you done that, and what made you want to do that in the first place? That was a decision that we made deliberately before we moved back to Shadron this last time. We said if we move back to Shadron, if everything works out, one of the things we have to do is give back to Shadron because it's, it's, it's done so much for us. And um, it, it, the fire department was my goal. So when I came back and I applied and it, uh, within the three, four months of us moving back, I was part of it. The first thing that shocked me was how professional they were. You, you assume as a volunteer fire department, they're not as good as a regular paid fire department, but it's far from the truth. They are very professional, rigorous training, giving up time to do the training. So that blew my mind when I first joined and how the, the requirement there was. And then uh, I've done it for about six, seven years now. And uh, it's a great family. 
they do a lot of stuff behind the scenes for this community that besides the sirens rolling, there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scene. And uh, we have a lot of men and women that put in a lot of time. Well, and, and having worked with you in that capacity where you've kind of put that hat on, uh, it's interesting. And I got to... Um, I got to commend you and, and your colleagues at, at the Shattered Volunteer Fire Department and those first responders, just how calm and collected they are in those situations where of, of heightened stress. Um, there's a lot going on. It's really beneficial to see someone who is, okay, what's going on? And just kind of really the voice of reason. And so It's I, a learned behavior because when I first joined, I was not that. I was the guy <laughs> freaking out. But um, it's a learned behavior. You watch those that are before you and... Um, in a chaotic moment, you see some of them rattle off 30 different commands to 30 different people very calmly, and everything's thought of, mm-hmm. every which way is thought of. So there's a lot of people that I look up to in the fire department that train you to stay calm and sure. just go through the process almost as necessary tunnel vision, mm-hmm. and you just kind of focus on that. Yeah, I, I think my, my point was kind mm-hmm. of, Obviously, I think when you kind of give back to your community, you're not doing it to to really learn from it. You're just trying to help people. But I think inevitably, you learn from it. And so the, those those instances of where you've had to be calm have probably helped you professionally and personally in different areas. And I just think that's one of the one of the great things about living in a small community is you get those opportunities to do things like that. That's very well stated. Um, when we lived in southern Colorado, I did stop by one time, just once at the fire department to see if they take volunteers. And they looked at me as if I was asking for something totally unreasonable. And they just said, nope. Uh, that was the end of that. Mm-hmm. But when he came here and he still asked, they take you with open, even when we were full when we don't have openings, they will take people's names and, and phone numbers, and they call them back when we have an opening, and nobody's turned away. Um, they also take some of our college students, knowing that the maximum service they will those college students will give is three years, because usually they don't come until after their freshman year. And they pay for their trainings, give them you know, whatever support they need, and then send them off to their own community. So... You learn a lot from. Yeah. I think I've learned as much, if not more, than it's it's that I've given back. Great. So, Ted, outdoor activities. So we've got some notes here that you're an avid uh, runner and bike rider. You've been uh, riding in the bike ride across Nebraska. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I don't know if I'd say an avid runner, but I do enjoy to to run. That's that's my outlet. I think is uh, is running. I'm proud to say. 14 years in a row, I've run one way or the other half marathon. So nice. try to get that streak going. Some years it's hard. I waited till December 23rd last year to get it done. <laughs> hey, that's but, my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Still get it in, though. <laughs> yeah, so, but I feel like if I break that streak, it's not going to, I mean, that's going to be the end of it. But I do run quite a bit, and um, it's a good time to meditate and run and contemplate on things. So uh, I enjoy running. The other activities is, yes, we do enjoy riding bikes. Uh, there's a, five or six guys here in Shadow. I like to move my own bike quite a bit together, taking some journeys together to southern Colorado, actually western Colorado and Utah to do some of that mountain biking and road riding. But uh, as far as brand, which is bike ride across Nebraska, um, when I first heard about it, of course, everybody knows Ragbri, the ride, bike ride across Iowa. 
and it's about 10,000 people mm -hmm. sometimes. When I first heard about Bran, you know, like everybody else, I complained, how come they start in a different part of the state? It always starts <laughs> and they never come through here and, you know, moaning and complaining. And last year they announced they were going to start from Shadron. So it was one of those things, either put up or shut up. So when they announced that it started here in Shadron, I signed up and it was an amazing experience. The average age I did not know was 60. Wow. Yeah. And uh, amazing people you meet and you make groups and every night you camp with this pretty much 10 or 20 people out of the 400. So you start becoming friends and it was an amazing experience riding through Nebraska and seeing Nebraska's small town at a slower pace was uh, very interesting and, and amazing. Is it something you, you're planning to do again? Yes, we uh, signed up again for this year and it starts in Hemingford. And oh, we're nice. going to do the first four days, and I conned my wife into joining me. <laughs> so we're going to do, this is going to be our first bike ride together, a longer bike ride together. So either we'll do it again together next year, or I might be not, I might just be doing it solo, depending on, <laughs> but I think she'll have a good time. She's a pretty good um, cyclist, Come up and coming cyclist, as they say. Right. So she'll be joining me this year. Oh, great. So yeah. if that one will start in Hemingford, where, is, where does it end? It always ends close to Omaha. Okay. And that's the seven-day ride. All right. Last year I did the four-day, and I thought it was sufficient. And then the same this year, I think we're going to do the four-day. The right. four because once you go to four-day, you get as far as Ord, or last year was Ainsworth. And then you're getting to the other side of where it's more traffic and uh, mm -hmm. Lincoln and Omaha area. So we're trying right. to stay away from there. So, And that's in, is that in June or July? First part of June. Okay, yeah, so it's still it's not, not too hot. No, not at all. In fact, last year, the evenings got chilly. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's interesting how the communities come forward and, and, and feed everybody dinner and breakfast and lunch. And you almost overeat throughout the whole thing because every 10 miles there's some sort of stop. <laughs> right. Everybody's got uh, great pies in Nebraska. And uh, pie and uh, sloppy joes. Oh, yeah. So if I don't eat another sloppy joe until <laughs> the next brand, I'm okay. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, when we had Kurt Kinbacher on here, he talked yeah. about cycling and eating pie too. So it must be like a cycling that's the, thing. That's, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Tradition. And, 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 yeah. and you kind of look for it and everybody makes homemade pies. Oh, so so, so it's just so you've earned it. So you need to ride about, you know, anywhere between 60 to 80 miles a day and stop and have pie for dinner yeah it's you can spare day. the yeah. calories there you go <laughs> <laughs> um so so we talked about bike riding and, and running uh, what are some of your other interests outside of work ted outside of work i spend a lot of time with my family i have a 15 year old and 11 year old daughter and we do a lot of outdoorsy things hiking and camping and fishing well we're getting into fishing now so now that they're past the get every lure stuck in the woods stage <laughs> yeah. so that I could actually fish. So we're getting to that. We're planning on doing that. So we do travel quite a bit, try to go uh, take the girls and see some opportunities where they don't have in Shadow, such as going to Washington, D.C. And a couple of years ago, we went to New York. So we try to expose them to some of the places, so bigger places that Nebraska doesn't have. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of that. What are some of your family's favorite destinations now, all the travels you've had? I think the, the our favorite one was Washington D.C. because yeah. we spent a week there. We still didn't see a majority of it, but it was it was an amazing time that we had there. Um, just took our time. One big museum in the morning, one small yeah. one in the afternoon. So you get to expose them to some of the history 
Uh, so good that, deal. That, that, that was pretty good time. The other stuff that we do like to camp, and I also like to. I don't. I'm not a very good mechanic, but I like collecting old VWs. So <laughs> that, that's that's my that's my downfall. Is I, I will spend an hour going for an hour and spend five hours working on my old VW. So that's that's what other hobbies I have. So nice. Yeah, simpler, no, no mechanical anything, no electronics, no computers, nothing. Oh yeah, just yeah. Simple linkage, mm-hmm. and number ten wrench. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds perfect. <laughs> well, Ted, I think we've come to the moment in our program where we hit the uh, we get the quick hitters. So, just a kind of first answer that pops into your mind. Uh, favorite bike ride in the region? I would say the cliffs. Uh, it's but it's the same trail as the Twisted Crawdad that uh, Donna Ritson hosts. That's probably one of my favorite trails because it's got a mix of climbing, fast descent, some water crossing, and so forth. And you can still go there and you know knock it on a couple of, less than a couple of hours, but yeah. an hour and a half usually and be back home. Mm-hmm. So close enough to here, but still get nice exercise out of it. Great hikes Perfect. out there too. It is. Yeah. It is. And then there's some apple trees if you hit it the right time of this year. Oh yeah. There's some really nice apple trees you can just stop and have a snack. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Ted, what's a favorite movie of yours? That's a tough one. Recent or all time? Well, anything, you know, yeah, not anything, be absolute yeah. favorite, just uh, anything on your list. One of my recent favorite uh, movies is The Green Book. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch it. It's, um, it's uh, I like history, mm-hmm. and uh, The Green Book was very well written, and uh, it's, a, it's, one, it's a really good book. I'm pretty sure it won an Oscar a couple it did. years ago. It yeah, did, so. yes, it did, yeah. All right. So nice. it's, it's historically very accurate as well, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Cool. Very good. Uh, first concert you attended? Boy, I don't know if I remember that first concert. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been to a lot of small concerts, so I don't know if I remember the first one. But I remember the first one, the memorable concert would be my wife and I went to John Legend at the Filler Screen in Denver. And he's an amazing, amazing performer. And then another one is we went to a U2 concert in De- down Pepsi Center. And uh, we watched half of it because we just had our oldest daughter and my wife was just looking at her phone the whole time expecting it to ring. So we ended up leaving that concert, but it was, it was a good concert. So, so a couple of memorable concerts. Yeah, certainly. How many times have you been to the top of Sea Hill, either bike riding or walking? Hundreds, (laughs) hundreds. (laughs) I I don't know if I can uh, count, but I know I've, I've, I've run it. I've biked it. I've um, hiked it with the kids, with the dogs. Our last one was during Christmas break when we had that big snowstorm. My 15-year-old daughter and myself snowshoed up. So that was our first snowshoeing trip up it. So nice. I, I can't yeah. even keep track. It's a, it's a really nice place to be early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yes. Well, final question then, Ted. Uh, what word comes to your mind when you think of Shadron State? Shadron State. When I was in Colorado, looking back at Shadron State, my memory was always in the fall, the fall colors of Shadron. So that's what I remember when I say Shadron State. It, it is that fall colors. That's Only fall color in Nebraska, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of the few. It's, it's certainly yes. a great time to be around. Yes. Yeah. That's a good place. Well, Ted, I think that's all we've got for you. Thanks again for coming on the show with us and giving us a little glimpse of, of a new language for us. Well, like thank that. you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks, Ted.